Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad. Haley, would you like to make a podcast? I would love to make a podcast. Okay, well, um, I appreciate that, but you didn't really quite go into the role I was kind of hoping you would go, where it's just like... Uh, Would you like to make a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. That's much more the vibe I was going for. (laughs) No, that's okay. That's all right. I appreciate appreciate the notes. I thought you were going to start singing at me after I said yes. (laughs) Well, that that was an option, and <laughs> you know, I, I think you hit the notes better than I would. So oh, here we are you. diving into not Frozen One. We've we've actually rec- uh, talked about on the podcast before, but the second episode in the saga that is uh, the world of Frozen, and we're talking Frozen Two today. So Haley, I'm very excited to talk about my daughter's current favorite Disney movie, or just favorite Yay. movie of all time. Um, and, but For before now. we do that, let's let's have a little fun because it's nice to have a little bit of fun with the show every now and then. So I thought I could um, throw some uh, Disney would you rather's at you. Um, I don't know how much of a Disney person you are. I am uh, at this point. I've seen everything dozens of times. So yeah, I yeah. always thought that I was a Disney person. And then you realize that there are people who are like Disney people. Yes. And I realized that (laughs) I There are hierarchies even within actual Disney people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I just realized I just like entertaining, fun, animated movies. And, you know, my favorite, two favorite animated movies are not Disney. And so that's sacrilegious in its own Ah, way. I know. Not at all. That's okay. (laughs) Well, for Disney people, Well, I wish I had some... Yeah, I, I don't have any non-Disney would you rather, so we'll just have to play along with the Disneys Excellent. for now. I'm on board. All right, so we'll start off, you know, nice and light and easy. Would you rather visit Wonderland, as in Alice in oh, Wonderland, yes, or Neverland? Wonderland. From or you, you didn't even hear Neverland as the other <laughs> option. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland is one of my all-time favorites. Neverland is good. Okay, but no, uh, uh-uh. Wonderland, it is. What is it about Wonderland for you? I don't know. I've always felt such an affinity for Alice. Mm. And actually, um, for a long time, I had a decal on my wall that said, why sometimes I've thought as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Because... Nice. Yeah, Alice says like, but that's impossible. And then that line is said back to her. And that line has always... I've always been like, yeah. Oh, I like printed a like sign for my brother's like cubicle at work because he was like solving problems for people at work. And there's a quote in Alice in Wonderland that says, everybody wants a magical solution for their problems, but everyone refuses to believe in magic. So my brother had that in his cubicle for a while to Okay. You sound like you've got Yeah. Okay. (laughs) See, that's why I didn't need the rest of the question. No, I, I totally respect that. I appreciate the backstory. Um, so I, 
you know, I think it was like the time and the age at which I was that I saw Peter Pan, probably similar to mm-hmm. you with with Alice in Wonderland, which just like, yeah, totally in for the Lost Boys and fighting pirates and flying and yeah, um, never true. growing up. Like all those all those themes like really yeah. appealed to me at that's whatever true. age I was when I saw that. Yeah, when Hook came out, I was all about that yes. too. Yes, a hundred percent. And I was a huge Robin Williams fan, so that was yeah, another sort of totally. um note for that yeah. for me. Absolutely. To be fair, do you know what lito- lithographs are? I think I do, but I feel like I'm gonna be wrong if I just guess. So why don't you tell me what a lithograph is? So a lithograph is where the words of a book or a piece of writing or a quote are used to make like a drawing. So like the empty space becomes the image, whereas the words become Mm -hmm. like the background. So I have only two of them and they're, they're hung up above my bed. And one is of Alice falling into the like wormhole. And the other one is Peter sitting like standing in the window with his hands on his hips. So Actually, both of these are perfect. <laughs> wow, I wish I could have said I I planned that question for you out. <laughs> I know you it's almost like you did. <laughs> All right. Funny. Well, okay, so that's a good first one. So, um I don't know if you know that both of oh, these characters uh-oh. this will be a test of your of your Disney knowledge. Would you rather enjoy uh-huh. Remy the Rat's food anytime you are hungry or enjoy Baymax's healthcare assistance every time you are hurt or ill. This is like a, you know, when they ask you like what food do you want to eat for the rest of your life? You're like, do I take the food that I like or the food that makes the most sense? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Is this for the rest of my life or is it for a time period? Well, it just says every time. So I'm assuming it's in perpetuity. Okay. Well then I would take Baymax. Because once I get older, that'll be far more helpful. That's a great point. I appreciate the thought you put into that. <laughs> and also, I'm not a super foodie. Like, I like food and I enjoy good food, but I'm not I'm not picky. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, 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 I kind of feel the same way. Like, Remy is known for these sort of, like, super fancy, complex, yeah. I'm sure yeah. flavorful dishes. But, oh, sure. you know, if, if you give me a couple of restaurant options, I'm probably not picking the French one. Yeah, um, that's And that's fair. not because they don't have great food, but just because I'm just as happy, you know, eating a yeah. burger and fries. Totally. Although Remy could probably make delicious versions of that, too. That's true. And ratatouille is very good. So I've heard. I, I I can't say myself whether I've actually ever eaten ratatouille. So then maybe um, that's the answer you need to give. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Give him a chance. Yeah. All right. So um, <laughs> so those were two like fun ones. This is a little bit more of a challenge. Oh, uh, no. Would you rather look after 101 well-behaved dogs oh, no. or... One out of control alien, that being Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Okay, so I've never seen Lilo and Stitch. Okay. He ends up being pretty manageable by the end, but I'm assuming we're referring to the initial time where he's pretty murderous. Oh, okay, murderous. All right, that's... (laughs) Um, I was picturing, like, you know, mischievous in a really destructive way. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so that's the way he sort of is like the, the he's a little bit restrained once he knows he's being observed. But when he lands on the planet, he's got like guns drawn, like he's ready to kind of go nuts. Um, 
So I guess it depends on what kind of weapons he has access to. <laughs> oh, no. My goodness. So, like, actually murderous. Yeah. Shoot, I'm, I'm taking the puppies. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Although, you know, Stitch gets to the point where he can speak, which is, you know, I, I joke with my wife that I've always wanted, like, a parrot that you can teach to talk. Uh-huh. I know they don't necessarily have conversations with you. It's mostly just repeating things you said uh-huh. to them. But something about that being able to like verbally interact with a pet has always been like a weird uh, dream of mine. So did you have a Furby? Uh, no, I did not have a Furby. <laughs> that feels like nope. what stitch would be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Furbies are just as associated as being sort of secretly evil. So, Oh yeah. And so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to give us one more. Okay. Do you want a fun one or another, like, weird, scary one? Oh, okay. Um, another scary, weird one. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. Some of them are so good. Okay. Would you rather <laughs> spend a year as a normal-looking llama? Okay. Much like... <laughs> Emperor's New Groove. Uh, Emperor's New Groove. Or a year as a ferocious-looking man-beast, a la Beauty and the Beast. And both animals can speak uh, whatever language you would want to speak, presumably. A year? A year. Okay. Okay, I want to say the llama, because that's, like, the cuter answer. However... If I'm spending a year as something, I want to be able to, like, be as human as possible. So the beast can, like, open jars and, like, eat and basically live a human life on his, like, bipedal being as opposed to, like, a llama, which can gallop and that's about it. And so, therefore, for a year, I choose beast if it was... Less than that, I would choose the llama. <laughs> yeah, the hand motion is pretty yeah. important, right? Because Cusco, you know, he's able to put on some pretty good disguises throughout the course of Emperor's New Groove, but he mm-hmm. relies on Kronk for a, a lot of his... Oh, not yeah. Kronk, the, the, his village friend, whose name oh, I'm, I'm uh-huh. not remembering. Uh, yeah, um, he relies on that guy Pacha. for a lot of like... No. Yes. Yes. Sure. It's close to that <laughs> for a lot of his like actual, you know, you know, task to task management. So I, I think I think I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Okay. I think that's wise. All right. So we've got to we've got to talk Frozen too. We could do Disney <laughs> stuff forever. So right after this short break, we will get into Frozen 2. talking about mental health these days. But what about severe mental illness? It's more common than you might think. Did you know that one in 100 people lives with schizophrenia? That's why the BC Schizophrenia Society has launched a brand new podcast called Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined. Host Phaedra Aldridge talks to doctors, families, and people with lived experience about how to recognize mental illness and the specific treatments that can help. Check it out. They'll really challenge you to look again at what you think you know about mental illness. You can find them on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Frozen 2 is a 2019 American computer-animated musical fantasy film produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios. Set three years after the events of the first film, the story follows Elsa, Anna, Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven, who embark on a journey beyond their kingdom of Arendelle in order to discover the origin of Elsa's magical powers and save their kingdom after a mysterious voice calls out to Elsa. This is Frozen 2. Haley... So as I, you know, sort of requested us to talk about this movie, I told you I wanted to focus on the music, which is not Mm -hmm. something that this podcast has really done before. So at least a couple of times this episode, we may try to play the song that we're referencing. Um, If you only get a 30 second clip, that may be because you are listening outside of Spotify. Um, If that's the case, feel free to pause the episode, go listen to the the song track that we talk about, and then come back. We kind of make this an interactive uh, experience because some of these songs, Haley, are just really incredible, especially from a mental health perspective. Totally. I... I was very impressed. There was one song particularly that you told me to focus on. And as soon as it started, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we can almost go song by song in some ways because, you know, the way that this movie kind of introduces some of the problems that the characters are experiencing, especially in song, and then has them really wrestle with the intensity of those problems is, Mm -hmm. is just really impressive. Um, and of course, like any good Disney movie, it starts off with this like lighthearted lullaby that's actually kind of dark and intense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like if if you've ever you know heard the explanation behind "Ring Around the Rosie," this kind of uh-huh. this this initial lullaby kind of feels like that, where you know it's talking about you know where the north wind meets the sea, um, uh-huh. but then it's also warning you. That if you <laughs> if you dive down deep into her sound, meaning the river, uh, but if you go too far, you'll be drowned. Why yeah. are we telling kids lullabies like this? Perhaps because they were secretly warning them about adventures to come. Yeah, a little um, premonition there for the kiddos. <laughs> Yeah, so so we we get this little flashback of the kiddos, um, you know, in their relationships with their parents, and then we jump back into present day, and we see yeah. Elsa dealing with some new aspects of her. I guess it's of her powers. It's really of her, you know, her experience as a person with powers, right? So yeah. she starts to hear these voices, or this mm-hmm. voice. I guess it's just one voice. Yeah, it's not even really a voice, right? It's just the the sound, the song. Right. It's a. It's a a musical sound calling out only to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, you know, do we treat this as uh, a real person who could be experiencing auditory hallucinations or is just like, is it just fun Disney magic? And it's, it's a hard line to walk, you know, especially Uh we think about kids watching it because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of even a little bit played for laughs, um, especially later on in the movie when Olaf imitates the, yeah. the voices call, which is uh-huh. my favorite thing to imitate when I'm watching with my daughter, because it's, 
it, you know, auditory hallucinations by definition are weird. Totally. It's a weird experience. So, uh-huh. you know, Disney plays it a little bit for the weirdness and the oddness sort of of an experience. But it's totally. for Elsa pretty, it's not just weird. It's maybe a little scary, maybe a little. Yeah uncomfortable as it would be for anyone experiencing a real auditory hallucination. Absolutely. Yeah. She keeps checking in if other people can hear it. And then she also, I think to Anna says, I know this sounds crazy. And then tells her that she's hearing or she's being called or something like that. Yes. And then for Anna, it's like to know that her sister has been experiencing this thing and hasn't told her until just now. Yeah. You know, which is a very much a family dynamic, um, you know, that they are they're well established at this point. Anna is sort of upset that Elsa hasn't included her in this in this experience. But that's, you know, if if we were to treat it as real, you know, people who were experienced these sorts of symptoms, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes shame. There's a mm-hmm. lot of confusion. You know, should I just try to ignore this or should I tell people that I'm going through this experience right now? Yeah. Well, and this will kind of come up in a a song that we talk about probably tonight, but there's also the sense of when you yourself are going through an experience that you don't quite understand or you can't quite put words to, like a dream that you can reach but not quite hold, it's hard to share that with someone else, right? Because you can't, you're like, I, I don't know what's happening. So how am I supposed to explain to you what's happening? Because your first thing is going to be questions and I'm not going to have answers. And so I think a lot of people, no matter how close they are to someone, when they're still working through and trying to understand how they feel about something or what's going on in their head or, you know, something along those lines, they do hold it back from people that they would maybe normally speak to because they don't really know what to say or how to say it. Yeah. And it's such a fascinating thing, this sort of line in between hallucinations and as Elsa sort of questions as into the unknown, like just a ringing in her ear. Mm -hmm. And then what most people understand as sort of like an internal monologue, right? Because not everyone has that. And there's, there's been, I wish I, I'll, I'll try to find the article, but you know, I think there's, there's this sort of new interest in, these sort of internal experiences for people that not everyone has a voice inside their head. That is their own voice, right? It's sort of like yeah. I'm talking to myself. That's sort of the the struggle that I think people who are experiencing these more serious, serious symptoms go uh-huh. through where it's like this thing that I'm experiencing right now, like, is this just a weird thing? Is this uh-huh. thing, is this something that people will be interested mm-hmm. in? Will they be kind of freaked out by? Because that's else something that Elsa has experienced yeah. before, where the first time people see that she has these uh-huh. powers, they're sort of shocked and horrified. And she kind of, you know, brings them around um, over time. But, you know, that experience is, is fresh in her memory. And I'm sure mm-hmm. the uh, assumption that if she tells people, oh, yeah, and now I'm like hearing this voice and it's <laughs> calling me, you know, away from the castle would also be something that people might be freaked out by. Yeah. Absolutely. That it's, that's scary. Yeah. And of course the, the Disney magic version of this is that not only does she hear the voice, but in sort of listening to it or responding to it over the course of the song into the unknown, she, you know, responds to these spirits. 
mm-hmm. and in doing so, like awakens them in their little town of Arendelle. Um, you know, so the the fires jump out of the lights, and the sort mm-hmm. of earth rumbles like an earthquake, and the wind whips everybody out of their homes. Mm-hmm. The so stops. you know, for Elsa, who yeah, who has experienced this sort of shame of her gifts before, it's like, oh no, I did something again. I did something I wasn't supposed to do, and now everyone else is suffering again for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so for so for her, it's just like a, a re-traumatization of this experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there is also the the continual jokes by Olaf, like at the end. He's like, I love a happy ending. And then he goes, Is this the end or will this keep happening? <laughs> right, um, right, right. <laughs> so there is kind of like a wink to that experience of Elsa's, right? Which is continually accidentally bringing something upon this place that she has vowed to protect. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and for people who experience these sorts of um, hallucinations, much like Elsa in, in the song, they, they keep her awake, they distract her, you know, to, to sort of Elsa's lines in the song. It's this sort of secret siren. So it's like, should I be listening to this thing? Because that feels like a suspicious, almost dangerous choice that she's sort of acknowledging. And I think for people who experience these sorts of um, hallucinations, it's a, I, and I imagine, obviously, I've not experienced these sensations for myself, but in talking to people who have, it's like, well, what if I do treat them as real? What if I do treat them as something that I should respond to? Like, will that mm-hmm. help me kind of help them resolve? That's interesting, right? Because it's a hard, yeah. yeah. As an act-based therapist, which Mm -hmm. I probably say that phrase every single episode, one of the core aspects is a thought is just a thought. It has zero bearing in your life. Whether that Mm -hmm. thought is a song or someone's calling to me or a visual hallucination or... Uh, I'm not going to say hallucinations because there are different ways that we can interact with those, but basically a thought is just a thought and it has zero impact on your world. What has impact in your world is what you do in reaction to or in spite of that thought. So there's a line not related to this particular thing, but there's a line in the movie that speaks about like, I can choose to hear a voice and then decide what I want to do with it. And I think that applies here as well, is whether you are having the thought that everyone hates me or you're hearing a song from a mythical land, you don't have to do anything. And I think at some point she says, like, I have to go. And my reaction as a therapist would be like, no, you don't. If you want to go and if it's important to you to go, you can choose to. You don't have to. That song is just the song. Mm hmm. If you're in a Disney movie, you quote unquote have to go in order to resolve it. But that's not how our brains work without magic. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we, right, because that's how they have to develop the plot is they need something mm-hmm. to literally pull them out of this yeah. comfort that they've finally established for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, in the castle. And so that then they're off. You know, they're traveling to the uh, magical forest, the hidden forest. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's, you know, it's this forest that's covered in uh, magical fog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that kind of brings us to one of my other favorite songs in this movie, um, which is Olaf's song, When I'm Older. Mm-hmm. And Olaf throughout this movie is kind of grappling with, I guess, maturity. It's such a funny way to to talk about some of these things because he has some of the best lines in the movie, you know, as it relates to like acceptance and coping uh-huh. and mental health. And I just love it because I think right after, you know, everyone gets pushed out of the castle area, um, mm-hmm. like the little kids are putting all the little like uh-huh. crystals into Olaf's face. And he's like, you know, I ca- we call this, you know, controlling what we can control. Yeah. Controlling what you can when things feel out of control. That's right. Yes. Uh-huh. Thank I love you. that. Yes. I was like, yes, Olaf, you're doing it. Right. What a great message for <laughs> kids so where great. it's just like, you know, it's okay to play right now, even uh-huh. though this crazy thing just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So great message. And then, you know, this other thing that he's grappling with throughout the movie is this sort of idea of maturity and like he's he's getting older. So what mm-hmm. does that mean for him? You know, can he still take pleasure in childish things? And he sort of expresses a sentiment that I see a lot in in uh, people that I work with when they're just kind of starting out in therapy, which is, mm-hmm. you know, they just want everything to make sense. They want mm-hmm. to be happy. They want to kind of just be able to overcome as Olaf expresses like these childish fears and unfortunately it's not as simple as just kind of growing up and then everything being better and all of a sudden everything makes sense because it it doesn't you know those childish fears stay with us Mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah so what are you seeing when you watch that yeah yeah so there's a lyric in there that says um growing up means adapting puzzling at your world and your place and if there was a period at the end of that line, I would be like, yep, that's it. Totally good so far. Yes. Yeah. Whether that's growing up child to adult or whether that's growing up, growing through something as a human at any stage in life or a snowman at any stage in life. Um, Mm -hmm. However, he follows it up then with when I'm more mature, I'll feel totally secure. So he speaks about how there growing up is a process of adopting and puzzling and questioning. And I said, adopting, adapting and puzzling and questioning, (laughs) which I think, again, if it had a period at the end of it, it would be perfect. And then he kind of undermines it by saying like, Oh, and then I'll feel totally secure and great and have all the answers. And, and I think people in therapy, I think often feel that. And I, as a therapist, try really hard to be like, I screw up with this too. Like I am also human. However, when you hear people talk about therapists, and I think we've touched on this before, there's kind of this narrative of like, oh, well, therapists have it figured out. And sure, we have certain skills and insights that others may not because we're talking about it all day, every day. But also we're still human. And for us, it's all it's also about adapting to our worlds and puzzling through our worlds and our place in that world as well. Just like Olaf. Yeah. And then, and just like, you know, getting older, you know, going into therapy does not get you to an end point or a cure or a Mm -hmm. I'm all better now place, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the time. If anything, it's, you know, something a little bit more nuanced. Um, and I think, and, and I do appreciate, you know, the, the song in the sense that like, this is a child's version of uh-huh. what older is supposed to be like. Totally. Um, and, and in that sense, I think it's very relatable and we see that 
Olaf wants to find that sort of sense of security where he can just, as he say, uh, as he says, you know, be watched by something with a creepy, creepy face. But then he screams and it's like, okay, well, yeah, you you don't need and nor should you expect yourself to be just sort of completely stone faced in the face of scary things no. like being being an adult is also being able to recognize that fear is is important and helps you protect yourself yeah from absolutely. those creepy creepy faces right? yeah and i also kind of think that that approach to life, like we as a culture kind of communicate this message like don't worry you'll understand when you're older Mm-hmm. Oh, man, totally. Yeah. And I think it kind of falls in that same pattern of what do you want to be when you grow up? It almost kind of creates this this message that when we are an adult, we will be in a role and we will have all the answers and that's it, right? In, in like a good way, right? Like, in a, And then we will have right. reached it. And I wonder if that's why a lot of young adults and adults and you know, quote unquote, midlife crises happen is because we think we are given this message that at some point, we will have the answers at some point, we will be something. And then we recognize like, oh, this isn't how life works, right? You don't just check off a box and you've done it. It's this process. Yep. Which is why I'm always saying goals are great values are better. Like you said, Olaf is a great representation of kind of how kids do feel and kind of how we talk to kids, which is you know, one day you'll get it. And quite frankly, one day you might not get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or like getting it might not look like what you think it's going to look like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we love that and love, you know, Olaf's um, kind of ability to, you know, help the group through some of the uh-huh. their stressors throughout the movie where he just kind of throws random facts at them. Um, some of which, some of those facts, are, which are actually relevant for the problems they're facing, but you know, it's sort of like just like this nice, slight distraction while they're dealing with, in some cases, very heavy, um, you know, emotional developments. Mm-hmm. So love a good sidekick character. Yeah. I think Olaf's probably one of my favorites. Um, meanwhile, we have Kristoff uh, dealing with his own crisis, which is sort of like this very separate story from Anna and Elsa's. So he gets a little bit more, you know, of his own um story to tell in this movie you know separately from frozen the original movie where he's just sort of the mm-hmm. you know he's sort of a sidekick he's a yeah. you know he's he's a romantic interest friend supporter but in this one he's you know hey i'm i'm also here kind of going through my own thing while you uh in this case anna are off trying to save your sister once again, again. yeah <laughs> again so we have this incredible power ballad lost in the woods. You know, it's just, it's, it's hilarious. Obviously the way that they, I was going to say film, but obviously it's animated very much like a music video and it's just incredible. But I think even just the title of the song is very evocative, right? I don't know, Haley, if you're a hiker, but the visceral experience of being lost in the woods is such a great way to describe where, Kristoff uh-huh. and Anna are at in their relationship, which is literally and figuratively separated. <laughs> yeah, in the woods. <laughs> in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your, you know, because obviously it's this sort of lighthearted, you know, longing type ballad. But yeah. what, what what was your experience of watching that song? Yeah. So I think the song represents kind of a thought that I had overall, which was 
that this movie is a good portrayal of when a couple who is doing well is just not on the same page and is just kind of missing each other or miscommunicating. And it's not that there's anything wrong and it's not that there's been a fight or someone's hiding something simply just like kind of on the different page. And, you know, Kristoff is nervous because he wants to propose and Anna's preoccupied, but that's paired with his nervousness. She then is thinking like, wait, does he want to break up with me? Is he done with me? But meanwhile, he wants to propose to her. Yep. And I think what ends up happening is they both kind of keep making choices based off of what they think the other person is thinking. Well, he does it more than her because she's pretty preoccupied with Anna. Yes. And what can often happen when you make decisions based off of what you think somebody else is thinking is you make missteps because you don't know what they're thinking. And in this movie, luckily, he's kind of a side character, so we don't dive into it too much. However, he continues along a very valued path of like, I love her and I want her to know I love her rather than, oh my gosh, she's pulling away from me. What's happening? I'm going to now pull back because clearly she's out. So I think what I really liked about that was a very kind of realistic representation of just when a couple's kind of like not really on the same page, not for any reason other than there's like communication that's missing. Yeah. I love that because I think it's, you know, it's a portrayal of a relationship having a normal problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. It's not um, one, you know, of the like the Anna was kidnapped and needs to be kissed by a frog, you know, to make her fall in love with him again. Yeah. It's just, hey, um, these two characters actually love each other. And but they're both going through some incredibly yeah. stressful circumstances and they're not communicating, you know, super effectively. Mm-hmm. What a normal problem yeah. for two Disney characters to experience. Totally. So, yeah, I, I love that. And and Kristoff uh, as a character in general is is one who's allowed and and played with really great sensitivity while also not being, you know, like a, a dependent mm-hmm. or, you know, overly reliant. Yeah. Um, it's just like a really healthy relationship for the most part. I agree. There was one line and I wish I remembered it now, but it's kind of near the end when she kind of comes back to him. He says one line that just like sums up secure attachment in a really beautiful way. And it's um, kind of like, you know, like, of course I'm here and I knew you'd come back. Um, I don't remember what the line was exactly. However, that's the gist of it. I think he says, my love is not fragile. My love for you is not fragile. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I was like, that, like that's secure attachment, right? Which is, hey, like Mm -hmm. I kind of recognized we were like one of the lines in this song is, um, when did I become the one chasing your heart? It feels like we're growing apart. Even when he's having those kind of thoughts, he's like, my love's not fragile. It's not, I'm not going to be shattered by things kind of not going perfectly. And I was like, oh, that's kind of beautiful. Um, you don't see too much secure attachment in Disney movies. Yeah. So, so good for Disney for showing yeah. just sort of like a normal, healthy relationship dealing with something that, and, and then the end is overcome, you know, they, he does end up proposing and she mm-hmm. says, yes, as we knew what would happen. It's just sort of, you know, kind of, can they get through this crisis together to really, you know, make the communication work effectively, right? Yeah. So, so Kristoff's kind of doing his own thing, lost in the woods. And meanwhile, um, you know, Anna and Elsa are on this sort of epic adventure once again, 
Elsa trying to figure out who she is. And once again, she leaves Anna to solve this problem. She's chasing what ends up being like the water spirit. Mm-hmm. And they she gets to um, Atahalan, which is the mystical river mm-hmm. from the initial lullaby. And then we, you know, we see her kind of figure out who she is. Mm-hmm. You know, that she is, as she says, the fifth spirit. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the sort of moment of the movie which kind of almost almost gets me every time because you know, these these two movies, Elsa is, you know, definitely growing, evolving, and 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 learning about herself, but mm-hmm. there's still all this sort of self-doubt or uncertainty, or you can yeah. still you can tell there's just sort of still something missing mm-hmm. for her. Totally. Um, and it all kind of comes to a head. In this song where she finally finds out who the voice is that's been calling to her mm-hmm. this whole time. Her mom. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we're gonna try to play this song. So this is Show Yourself. And if you hear the whole song, great. Stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, if you only hear a brief clip or if you wanna step away to listen to Show Yourself, go right ahead and come right back and, and we're gonna talk about the the lyrics of Show Yourself. So that was Show Yourself, um, obviously performed by Adina Menzel and Evan Rachel Wood, who plays Elsa's mother. And so, so Haley, the moment that gets me, and this probably won't, won't surprise you, but it's like this moment of, so Elsa realizes the voice is her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to repeat the lyrics just because I'm, I'm you you love know, just a huge fan of the writing. Yeah, I do. I love it so much. So Elsa is sort of you know, singing to her mom that she's the one that she's waited for all Mm -hmm. of her life. And then Elsa's mom sort of sings back to her um, now that she's kind of stepping into her power and um, realizing who she is. And the mom says, you know, show yourself, step into the power, grow yourself into something new. You are the one you've been waiting for. And then Elsa responds, all of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's when we see, I mean, it's very much feels like an aha moment in therapy, which is like, oh my God, I'm, I, it's all been, it's been my mom all along. Like that really felt like such a profound moment. And Elsa kind of leaves that song feeling like just a completely different person in many ways. Yeah. Because that line that I spoke about earlier about the like a dream that I can reach, but not quite hold. She goes yes. from that. There's this this arbitrary, ethereal, non-physical feeling and sense and something that she knows. Yeah, she's just riding a water horse, (laughs) as one does. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was probably a Tuesday. Um, (laughs) But she has this kind of like general feeling about herself and that there's something for her or something like that. And then she goes through this experience and then she says like, you know, I've never felt so certain. And I've never felt, finally, that sense has kind of solidified inside of me. And I feel that I have an answer for myself or or an identity, which I do a lot of identity work with my patients. And mm. I love that moment where you start to see that they kind of stop feeling like they need to explain themselves or, or like having a why to all the, everything that's happened to them. Yeah, yeah. And even if they still can't really put the a word to the why seeing being Mm -hmm. able to see that I've never felt so certain kind of vibe 
even when they're not feeling certain. I love that moment because I think that's exactly what happens here with, with Elsa is she goes from, I think I kind of know who I am. And then she like grows, she puzzles her world as Olaf would say. And then she kind of starts to be like, Oh, right. Like I have a place in this world. And I think hers, she gets a very kind of literal answer. However, I think the the general answer of I have a place in this world, I deserve to take up space in this world is what that would translate to for the rest of us, us non-magicies. Yeah. <laughs> us muggles. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And and uh, just in full, like I'm I'm just like getting shivers like every time I hear this song and and the, I don't know what it is about the Elsa mom relationship that's just sort of so well sort of st- set up in this movie where you, you're starting with this lullaby mm-hmm. and then you know Elsa then hears the lullaby again as she's reconnecting with her mom but yeah. also with herself it's just it's just really well done and and if I can't recommend enough people watching the sort of frozen two behind the scenes documentary on Disney plus because they go into how they figured out the ending for this movie. So they were really struggling with sort of how to resolve it. Was just, was it just going to be a weird magic spirit? It was not the mom for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of did, you know, the story work. They did, you know, Elsa's, they did some therapy with Elsa more or less, <laughs> and they kind of came to this more natural conclusion. Um, and it's just so, it's so great to see. And, you know. Interesting. I wonder Having if that this, real personal connection. Yeah, yeah. This idea that the mom was from the one culture of people and the dad was from the other culture of people. I wonder if that also kind of came later as well to set up that storyline i think they had pieces of it um like they had the mom saving the dad but they didn't have the mom saving elsa interesting so it's you know it's yeah it's you know stories are are really powerful i think in this way Mm -hmm. and the the unfortunate part of elsa's experience as as she discovers who she is is that now she starts to relive some of all these core memories as we you know reference another disney movie where you know she sees she sees the past version of herself and she kind of cringes which i just love Uh right because it's like this recognition of this person that she thought she was finding herself at that moment Uh and it turns out like that was a different but also important version of herself Uh right and then she's actually sort of following um these memories sort of deeper and deeper into figuring out you know this sort of ultimately this sort of side plot of the movie which is like how can i help um, the people in the hidden forest, right? So she figures out that her grandfather was actually um, the, you know, the antagonist of the whole story. And when she learns this information, she's gone too deep, just like the lullaby warned her, uh-huh. and she freezes. She, I guess, or, or drowns. I don't know if that's technically drowning when you're in an <laughs> underground frozen river. I think she freezes. But then she kind of sends out the the ice flare, mm-hmm. Um and Olaf and Anna sort of receive that weird ice email, um, and they get the memory too, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's in this moment that Olaf kind of gradually realizes that something terrible has happened to Elsa. Yeah. And this is where we arrive, Haley, at the song and the sort of the reason that I wanted to do this uh, movie in the first place. So we're going to play one more song as part of today's episode, um, and that's going to be The Next Right Thing 
performed by Kristen Bell. So if you're listening on Spotify, um, enjoy the whole song. If you're not, enjoy a clip or feel free to pause and go listen to yourself. Okay, so that was the next right thing. Mm. And just an incredible musical way to represent this immediate grieving experience that Anna goes through. Totally. And also just like Kristen Bell's voice is just so clear and so uh, it's fantastic. She's wonderful. Well, it's devastating. And and I have to being really fully honest here, like when I watched this movie for the first time with my daughter, who was mm-hmm. probably like four at the time, mm-hmm. I was like, is this too heavy for a kid? I like, know. is this too much? Because but also, it's a lot. Like the Lion King. <laughs> well, yeah. right. Um, but I think the, the reason why I'm asking that is that for a human to be expressing these feelings yeah. in this way is very unique. Totally. And also great, great modeling for kids that like you can be. Absolutely. Sad. It's yeah. well, it's wonderful, but it's also like, I was sort of like, oh my God, like what kind of questions am I going to get mm-hmm. as soon as this song is over? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, can you play Into the Unknown again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And we were able to get back to the fast songs. But like, you know, you, you hear Anna say, you know, the life I knew is over. The lights are out. Hello, darkness. I'm ready to succumb. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm afraid to acknowledge what it feels like she's almost talking about, but it's sort of like this feeling of like giving up when it feels like the thing that you've been living for, yeah. and I think that's sort of what she says in the second verse is gone. Yeah, right. Absolutely, it's such a beautiful, clear, descriptive, wonderful portrayal of depression. You know, like the heaviness of it, and the hopelessness of it, and the kind of like edgy discomfort of it yep Mm-hmm. F- fantastic song like really well portrayed depression and grief right okay and, and, and right that sort of immediate grief right it's that you know for anyone who's lost someone um unexpectedly where you kind of go from as Anna talks about sort of like following this person around and them being such a major part of your life to then them being gone just sort of like that mm-hmm. and then especially for anna not even having like a, a opportunity to say goodbye when mm-hmm. she thinks elsa is gone yeah the sort of immediateness of that grief i think is really just well described absolutely she says this grief has a gravity it pulls me down mm-hmm. and then this sort of concept of, of doing the next right thing which mm-hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong i think is sort of introduced all the way at the start uh-huh. of the movie Right. Yeah. By the troll, the yeah. troll dad. Does he say something totally, like that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even before I knew that this song was coming, the troll dad says, "When one can see no future, all one can do is the next right thing." And I wrote that Grand down. Grandpa, yeah. Right, we should we should pay his proper respects. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I wrote it down because I was like, "Yep, this is exactly you know what I've already even spoken to today, which is." When your thoughts, right? So one of the lyrics is, a tiny voice whispers in my mind, you are lost, hope is gone. When you have a voice inside your head telling you that, you don't have to listen to it. It can just be a voice inside your head. What you need to decide then is, what's the next right thing for you? What is the thing that you want your world to be about, regardless of what that tiny voice is whispering, regardless of how heavy this grief is or if you how much you want to succumb to this darkness right like what is your next right thing and for 
Anna, it's, you know, I need to know that I've gone and tried to do what Elsa wanted and fix things and, and make it okay again. Yeah. So it's, it sort of raises this question of like multiple voices, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, so Elsa hears this voice, that's her mom. Anna, you know, in this song acknowledges the tiny voice that whispers in her mind, even though you are lost and hope is go on, you must go on. And then she references that voice later on in the song. She says, I'll make the choice uh-huh. to hear that voice yes. and do the next right thing. Absolutely. So, you know, I think we, and I think we do this, right? We we can personify the voices in our head, yes. whether it's coming from ourself or yeah. if it's like a message we've gotten from people in our lives before. Um, and I think the point that you make is a great one that, this is something we have control over Mm -hmm. sort of what is the story that you're telling about these thoughts that Mm -hmm. you're experiencing? Yeah. How do you interact with them? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because when, when you treat it like something that's leading you towards something good, then it allows you to, you know, grow past these incredible obstacles. Yeah. And then also recognizing it isn't leading you anywhere. It's just a thought and you get to decide. Of course where you go, right? You get to decide what your next right thing is. And that's really what I liked about that thing is she said, I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. And my reaction to it was like, you can't choose how you feel and you can't choose what your mind is telling you. I mean, if we could, we all would feel happy and motivated all the time. But what you do get to choose is which of those thoughts you want to engage with and which of them you just want to let float by. And then you get to decide what's the next right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And even the visuals as she's singing the song when she says, you know, breaking it down to this this next breath, mm-hmm. this this next step, mm-hmm. this next choice is one that she can make and she's, you know, gradually empowering herself yep. to literally take bigger and bigger steps and bigger leaps, yeah. you know, towards the light, yeah. towards, you know, getting out of this dark cave mm-hmm. that is, you know, in some ways a metaphor, but is a place that she was actually stuck in and you know, having that visual, I think, is so great for kids, too, because yeah. it's like this is not just a simple thing that it's like, oh, well, OK, you know, Elsa's gone. Olaf's, you know, turned into snow dust, <laughs> you know, off to find Kristoff. It's like, no, there are this is a process. This is not something that yeah. is just going to be wished away. Right. And then that goes along with one another one of the lines in the song, which is, um, I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me yes. to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step. That's exactly what you're saying is, you know, it's, yeah. it's this long journey. However, don't look at the long journey. Look at just what the next step is. And I completely agree with you. The, the way that it is visually represented is fantastic. Um, like even when she like stands up and starts singing the song and decides like, okay, I need to keep moving forward. Kind of the very first thing she does is she like takes this huge leap over this like chasm. Yeah. Like chasm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's fantastic because that first step is often the hardest one. And then she like runs up a hill and then finds a cliff and then runs down a hill. And then, so she continually has to take more and more steps. However, sometimes that first one, whether it's getting out of bed in the morning or whether it's taking your dog for a walk or, you know, getting a haircut, whatever it is, that first step is often the hardest one. And then 
once you've done it, totally. you realize. Or even like in the, ex- in the extent of grief, like going to a funeral. Yes. Right? Being able to be present for those really difficult experiences. Yeah. And whatever, you know, whatever it is, I think Shane in our Weight of Gold um, episode said this line and yep. I've stolen it from him and I've used it in almost every session since then, <laughs> which is simple but not easy. And I think yeah. that's totally comes into play here, um, which is that first step is not going to be easy. You just got to decide to do it. And that's a simple solution. It's not an easy solution. Yeah. So shout out to Kristen Bell. Shout out to the composers mm-hmm. or the writers of the song, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, mm-hmm. because this this one is is really special. Yeah. So. Um, even if it's not my daughter's favorite song, nor does she like want me to replay it, it's like one that really sticks for me. Totally, <laughs> probably yeah. a lot of adults. Um, yeah, yeah. And you told me that those two songwriters know what they're doing, right? Yeah, and that's really it. Comes across when you watch the documentary I referenced because you know you wouldn't ordinarily think the the songwriters to have such an integral role mm-hmm. to the plot like the actual uh-huh. story that's being told yeah but they i think are so well incorporated yeah. and given the freedom to sort of find what works yeah. about the story mm-hmm. and sort of how to then portray it in a way that's just really yeah. uh, effective for the the movie itself. And you said they they have EGOTs, right? They are EGOTs, yes. Yeah. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tonys. Yeah. yeah. That's super impressive. I do have a line in that song that has my reaction to it, has a little bit of a different vibe of the way that we've spoken about the song, if you're interested to kind of see it from also a different Totally direction. interested. Okay. So Absolutely. the line is, the only star that guided me was you. And she's talking about Anna. Um, yes. Why do you think I have a reaction to that line? And if you don't want to go here, I can tell you why. <laughs> well, I, my assumption would be like, that's sort of a dangerous, uh-huh. uh, representation of like a codependent relationship. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think there oftentimes, whether you're a parent who puts your whole identity into being a parent or you are a person who puts your whole being into being someone's partner or a child being the perfect child or anytime you put your whole identity in another person, you give up control, right? You give up your ability to have that kind of sense of security that we spoke about that Elsa finds when she's talk- like singing with her mom because we can't control other people. They can leave. They can die. They can, you know, stop responding to our texts. And so if you've put your whole being in this other person, where does your identity fall? And I think we see that in for a second in this song with Anna is as soon as Elsa's gone, she is just like, oh my God, I've never felt this way before. And who am I? And what am I doing? However, we're also really lucky that Anna is one of the like coolest, strongest, <clears throat> my favorite um, Disney princesses out there. Mm-hmm. And so she is able then to kind of be like, no, I know what I need to do. I need to protect, well, I guess not protect Arendelle, but like, you know, break down this dam. And, and I do have an identity beyond Elsa. So that was kind of the only line that I was like, ooh, that's a tricky thing. Having 
one person be your only star that guides you. Yep. Yeah. And I guess as I'm thinking about sort of like how a whole huge movie like this gets put together, you know, there are uh, not great moments as well. And I, I, I just have to share this song that they ended up not keeping in the movie with you. Okay. So this is this is an outtake. In other words, a song that they wrote and recorded, uh-huh. um, but ended up not animating or, or putting in the movie. And it, it's back to um, Christoph and Anna and sort of how Christoph's trying to propose to her. So the song is called Get This Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to read you some of the lyrics because it's awful. Oh, no. <laughs> And it really gives you an even better it even give an even better appreciation for how good the songs are that they chose to keep. God, I don't even know where to start. Okay, um, so this is Kristoff singing. I'm gonna read it because I don't know what the you know the uh, the music would have been to a company. Yeah. yeah. So Kristoff says, "I want to get this right, baby. I want to thrill you in the way you deserve. I want to blow your mind, darling. I'm just having trouble getting up the nerve." <laughs> I want to give you what you want. I want to be the man you choose. I want to sweep you off your feet without puking on your shoes. Maybe I'll do better in the candlelight. I got to get this right. So the song is get this right. And the song ends. Let's see. I'm going to cut to the end because it's a lot of just like, really? It's like, they really struggle. Okay. Okay. So so I, yeah, keep going. Okay, so this is this is how it ends. Um, this is like the last stanza. So Christoph says, I meant to write it in the sky. I meant to get down on one knee. I plan to really try to be the opposite of me. But Anna, I will love you with all my might. I promise you in here, I've got that part right. Well, maybe we should do this on some other night. And then Anna, spoken, apparently as is written, says, wait, Lord Christoph of Arendelle, will you marry me? And then Christoph says, you got that right. So then they sing together because Anna has just proposed to him. And uh, so now they're they're engaged. And I'm like, man, this is it's so funny to read a song that they didn't choose because you almost feel like I shouldn't I shouldn't I shouldn't know that this song was written. <laughs> Total, well, so so what was your you it felt like you were having a reaction. I'm having a huge reaction. And it's so ironic okay. because I spent, you know, five minutes talking about like you know, what's so great is there's this secure attachment and Kristoff like doesn't push her away and doesn't walk away because he feels like she's walking away. But then you actually skip the first stanza or whatever it's called. Yeah. And it says, it's not you, it's me. The timing and the setting aren't what I thought they'd be. There's probably someone better for you out there anyway. Maybe I just need some space. And that's exactly yeah. what I said is excellent <laughs> that he did not do. So they almost made him do it. I know. It. That's why it's so funny. Oh, thank yeah, goodness they, they left it out. Because yeah. Elsa does enough of the pushing people away when she's feeling hurt. Totally. So I think it's real, yes. or not when she's feeling hurt, when she's feeling scared. And so I think it's beautiful to have Kristoff not do that. Yeah. Not push Anna away when he's feeling scared. It really represents secure attachment, right? So Yeah, and then it was okay for him to be lost in the woods and then just figure it out from there. Yeah. 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 For them both. So I I had to share that because it's it's so funny. It's you know, because it really comes down to the what's the story that we're telling Uh and what's the stories that we are told, right? Because there's so much power in them and you know, that's the difference between seeing a really healthy, secure attachment relationship mm-hmm. and a really weird, like, insecure one, which yeah. it could have ended up in that direction. So, so funny. 
Yeah. So that's frozen too. And and who knows if we get more from these stories. Yeah. Yeah. What is interesting is what would have been really in line with Anna's characters if she had proposed to him. That's like straight up her character as well. Well, that would have mirrored the the first movie, right? Where she punched the guy instead of her coming in, instead of Christoph coming in to save her, right? Uh And absolutely at no point is she the one that kind of like sits back and lets love happen to her or like lets life happen to her. So I like that, you know, it was kind of traditional the way they left it. However, so that part, right, yeah. could have been fine. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, I like that it was kind of left traditional, but if it hadn't been, it would have still absolutely, we wouldn't have been like, wait, weird. Why did she do it? It would have been like, oh yeah, absolutely. That's straight up on yep. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, Haley. Well, let's uh, let's do some reviews of this movie uh-huh. because otherwise we're just gonna talk as the same length of the movie itself. So, <laughs> right. So, while well, I'm gonna invite you to rate this movie on a scale of, let's say, one to five flurries. You know what uh-huh. Elsa is able to give Olaf for him to live in perpetuity. Uh-huh. On a scale of one to five flurries for uh, mental health accuracy. Yeah. So I think what I want to do to answer that is focus on kind of the songs that we spoke about more than like the movie as a whole, because great the movie yeah, as a sure. whole is a children's movie. There's magic. It's not real. Um, so obviously there are things that <laughs> don't line up. However, the songs that we talked about, and we're going to pretend like we didn't talk about this last one, I would say... There's a good like four and a half, five. Uh, is this my first five? Um, I like, I think <laughs> the way that they represent the sadness and the grief that Anna is feeling, and the, the identity development that Elsa is feeling, and the curiosity and rumination about growth that Olaf is feeling, and again, not this last song, but like Kristoff's concern about where their relationship is and still being sure that he wants her and he loves her and it's okay that they're not really on the same page. That to me felt all felt like very human experiences and very real and especially the next right thing. Um, That song, like you spoke to, is such a heavy song, but in a way that doesn't put you off, like in a way that pulls you in you know like there's it makes it easier to have empathy rather than sympathy Um, and i think that that's a really beautiful representation of how it feels and quite honestly i didn't feel this way before we started talking about it so i love that i've come to this (laughs) this answer yeah i think think it's really high up there maybe potentially a five and that's especially impressive for a kids movie right especially disney um if we can get that kind of representation yeah absolutely yeah And then because this is your little one's current favorite movie, I think I'm not going to let you rate it. I think we're going to have to ask her one to five of those little chameleon fire monster thingies. How entertaining is it? Okay, well, stick around for Bryn's review of Frozen 2. And... With that, uh, you know, another another episode in the book. So, Haley, thanks so much for talking to me today about Frozen 2. I know we've got some exciting episodes coming up the rest of this mm-hmm. summer. So look out for things like Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have our summer series of 
that in-depth in treatment, which I'm really looking forward to. Me too. We'll get super in the weeds on therapy styles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so remember to rate, review, subscribe, um, and follow us at Pop Psych 101. Thank you.